thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm Joe Rado, and with me, as always, is a guy who can burn things with a magnifying glass at night, Mike Vandebogart. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Uh, I got an exciting uh, promotion that uh, Joe and I are going to run this summer. So if you've followed the show, you know that Joe and I take a break during the summer, usually July and August. But this year, uh, we're going to, while we're on our break... We're going to ask our listeners to submit photos of their favorite national parks, photos that they've taken. And we're working with a company to create a custom-made set of playing cards for locations unknown. And we're hoping to use those images that fans send in uh, as part of the playing card deck. So um, pretty exciting. It's going to take a while to get them designed and made, but um, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Yeah. And we'll post more details on our Facebook page kind of you know how big the pictures have to be and things like that but uh stay tuned it should be pretty cool and we'll have a we'll have a little giveaway when we come back from our break this summer so uh, other than that no no new updates how about you joe how's everything going uh pretty good i'm glad that uh things are starting to open up again so yeah i'm getting back out getting some things done so yeah same here it's going pretty smooth cool all right everybody let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown America, a melting pot filled with diverse cultures, beautiful natural wonders, and a historic sense of exploration. Among the vast beauty of our wilderness, there also lies a more sinister side. Throughout the ages, a haunting collection of nightmares and tales of the unexplainable have been passed down generation to generation. Stories of bloodthirsty creatures lurking in the dark, strange lights in the night sky, and vengeful ghouls forever cursed to wander haunted forests. These are the stories that give us pause while hiking in remote areas of our country and fill our heads with dread before falling asleep in our tents at night. Join us this week as we explore some of the creepiest urban legends from across America. Back in episode 18, we did part one of the American Urban Legends series. So this is part two. We've got a couple couple creepy legends from across the country. And Joe, why don't you start us off with number one? Our second series begins in the state of Maine. Instead of providing useful light to help ships navigate, the lighthouse on Wood Island reportedly provides a space for strange moans, unexplainable shadows, and other indicators of paranormal activity commonly attributed to a murder-suicide that took place there decades ago. This is the story of the Wood Island Light. 
Our first one takes place in Maine. I got a few fun facts from Maine before we get into the creepy legend stuff. Okay. So, Mike, Maine is the only state that shares its border with only one other U.S. state. That's interesting. Um, I I guess I, Alaska doesn't count because they're not on the border with any other state. So yeah, they, that, they, they don't share a border with any state. <laughs> <laughs> interesting fact. Uh, 90% of the lobster consumed in the U.S. comes from Maine, weighing at nearly 124 million pounds in 2014 alone. That's mind-boggling. That is a lot of lobster. 124 million pounds. I hope they left some in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? So, Mike, what weighs more, 124 million pounds of lobster or 124 million pounds of feathers? Uh, They weigh the same. Ooh, good job. (laughs) Good job. I had high school physics. (laughs) (laughs) And you just know basic things? Yeah. (laughs) Here's one that... Donut holes were invented in Maine. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like they just claim that because they're like, quick, just grab it. Because like how, no, how you, do they really know? I know, right? Like <laughs> you you made a ball that, you, that a ball you, of dough that you deep fried and, and put sugar and stuff on it. Hey. <laughs> Whatever. No one else is disputing the claims. Exactly. So. <laughs> Uh, Maine used to be part of Massachusetts, but after decades of campaigning following the Revolutionary War, Maine won its statehood in 1820. So Massachusetts was a lot bigger. Yes. They got the short end of the straw on that one. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Uh, The official animal of Maine is the moose, and Maine is home to 76,000 moose, the highest moose population in lower 48. That is surprising to me on its face, but then when I think about it for a few seconds, it's less surprising. Yeah, that uh, when I saw that stat, I was like, "Wow!" I but then you realize where Maine is—they're pretty far north, border Canada. Exactly. That's Makes where, like, sense. at first you you like look at it more on its face. I'm like, "Wow!" It's like very like condensed area, but like, no, that's New York, st- yeah. like city. And but once you get up there, yeah, they're far north and more rugged. So, yeah, it's uh, an interesting stat, and they must be people must be spread out enough up there where they, it's not an issue. Cause you don't hear a lot of like moose attacks coming from Maine. Yeah. <laughs> no, we do not. Um, all right. Well, th- thanks for those facts. I'm going to jump right into the Wood Island light, uh, legend. This one's a little shorter of the three, so it won't, won't take us too long to get through. Um, anyone who's not familiar with where Wood Island is it's about 104 miles north of Boston if you're kind of driving up along the coast. So it's about a, a little under two hour drive. Um, it the the lighthouse that is referenced in this legend is automated now, so there's no one living on the island anymore. I think it's been automated for decades. But this legend goes way back into the 1800s. So originally a man named Howard Hobbs. He was a local fisherman and drifter. Uh, He was on Wood Island in 1896, and Hobbs had been drinking all day and uh, ended up shooting a guy named Fred Milliken and uh, ended up leaving the scene and turning the rifle on himself. So uh, I'll get into, yeah. (laughs) So I'll get into kind of the actual events of what happened that day. So. Uh, it was 1896, and Hobbs had been living on a on a sliver of an island off the coast of Biddeford, Maine. Uh, he was hunting seals for the one dollar a nose bounty 
the state was paying. So I guess uh, they had a seal problem, and they pay you a dollar for every seal you killed. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so with his work finally done for the day, the 24-year-old had just spent a couple of days with a buddy on um, – a congratulatory bender on the mainland and had rowed his skiff back to Wood Island. So uh, he, he must have, you know, hard, hard couple days hunting seals and yeah. <laughs> decided to throw a few back with his buddy. And, um, you know, he drunk and rowed back to Wood Island. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so on his way back to Wood Island, he bumped into Frederick Milliken uh, and it was nearly dusk. Uh, Milliken had mentioned, so Milliken is the landlord for uh, Hobbs and mentioned that his rent was overdue and demanded that he pay up. Hobbs uh, was still drunk, took exception to this, and then in a fit of, uh, I guess, a fit of anger, he took aim and shot the 35-year-old landlord and lobsterman once in the abdomen, according to uh, local newspapers from the time. So... He, uh, you can just imagine, uh, this drunk guy's been drinking for days. He's, you know, rowing back to the island. This, he gets in an argument with this guy and just shoots him in the abdomen. Uh, so, uh, horrified that he had just killed his landlord, Hobbs, oh, well, I guess he wasn't dead yet. Hobbs, uh, helped carry the mortally wounded Milliken inside, and then he ran back to his rented shack and placed the same rifle in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Uh, the bullet passed through his head and lodged in the ceiling. So um, the landlord was killed, and then uh, Hobbs killed himself. So the police called. Uh, the police were called and showed up on the island and determined that it was a murder-suicide. The local papers at the time called it a tragedy, but the folks around Biddeford called it just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> what, was their, uh, what was their reasoning for calling it just the beginning? I think so over the next 100 years – the island has been um, subject to tons of mystery and stories of ghosts and hauntings. And I believe up until recently, even the sci-fi channel, they, I think they filmed one of their ghost hunter shows on the island. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so the, the, the locals at the time called it just the beginning. They said, if you're quiet enough, they will tell you and stand very still. You will hear ghosts of Hobbs and Milliken, strange voices carried in the wind, footsteps echoing where there are no feet apparitions quite literally that go bump in the night so sounds like a terrifying place yeah uh nowhere i'd want to go camping um i'd go camping there <laughs> would you i would uh another lady who was a uh wife of one of the lighthouse keepers said there are spirits here said Teresa lowell the wife of a lighthouse keeper she lived on the island from 1984 to 1986 with her husband and believes she bumped into a ghost in her bedroom closet she goes, I know, she said, because I felt him. So uh, you, I can't imagine, you know, living on that island by yourself <laughs> day in, day out. That would be terrifying. Yeah, I'm sure that plays a lot into it as well of <clears throat> just seclusion. Yeah. And your, your mind can start wandering and you start thinking about, like, that incident, other horrible things that probably happened. Yeah. So, you know, this this has gone on for 100 years. The locals have kind of known that this is a haunted place. Uh, like you said, it's probably something they know those murders happen. So they're kind of any any sound you hear, they probably attribute it to the ghosts of Wood Island. But 
fast forward to the early 2000s. And so the lighthouse keepers have been gone for decades now. And real estate around uh, Biddeford has skyrocketed. And now uh, like ghost tourism has become like an actual thing. And apparently people actually travel to Wood Island to, you know, try to hunt for ghosts. And like I said, it's been featured on the sci-fi channel before. So um, it's, it's a creepy place. Uh, I, I read this. A lot of ghost experts who weigh in on such things generally believe that Hobbs is the likeliest candidate to still be haunting the lighthouse. So, um. <laughs> yeah, if we're looking for verification for the experts on who it is. Yeah. Like it's definitely Hobbs. So I would definitely say there is definitely a correlation between uh, ghost stories and lighthouses. Um, we did an episode a few few weeks back on uh, the lighthouse in was that Scotland or Ireland that was haunted. Yeah, it was off the off the main uh, off of Britain. Yes, like just, that's... just off of Britain. So yeah, general rule of thumb: if you're afraid of ghosts, do not go to old abandoned lighthouses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So like I said, that was the 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 first uh, urban legend, a, a shorter one. The next two are are pretty creepy. Uh, and I'm excited to get into them. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsor. This episode of Locations Unknown is sponsored by Payoff.com. You've tried balance transfers in budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt, and that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards. With rates as low as 5.99% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000, there's no hidden fees and there's personal customer service support from Payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a payoff loan may also include potential credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. So go to payoff.com slash locations unknown to learn more. Checking your loan rates won't affect your credit score. So try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loans only available within the United States and loans are not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com slash locations unknown. Our next urban legend takes us to Turnbull Canyon in California. Uh, this is a really creepy place. Reminds me a lot of, um, in our first American Legends episode, the that crazy road in Colorado. Ooh, um, that's, my, that's my favorite one. I still, I, because of lockdown, I haven't gone to Colorado yet this year, but I still want to go back. I want to go to that road. Yeah, we have to investigate that road. But, uh, but before I get into the actual story of Turnbull Canyon, uh, Joe, why don't you tell us some fun facts about California? Absolutely. So <laughs> California is home to the oldest tree on earth. The bristlecone pine tree estimated to be around 5,000 years old. The tree lives in the White Mountains, but its exact location has been kept a secret to help protect it. So California is also home to the tallest tree on Earth, the Hyperion, a coastal redwood in Redwood National Park, standing over 379 feet tall. That That's just mind-boggling. That is. That, have you ever seen it? I have not seen it. 
in I person. Think my my wife and my kids went there. I don't know if they saw that tree, but they were there. I want to go bad, and I would love to go find that other tree. I mean, I, can, I understand why they're definitely keeping a secret because you'd have some crazy person try and burn it down or something. Yeah, or someone would damage it or something. But yeah. 379 feet—that's almost as tall as a 40-story building. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> insane. that's insane. Yeah, that's amazing. The magnitude I, of it. I wonder how deep its roots go. Well, probably, well, <laughs> probably d- pretty deep. <laughs> what's the rule of thumb? Isn't it like the roots go like, <clears throat> like half the height or something, or twice the height? There's something about where they know it's like it's how long it is is a is a denominator of the height too. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to uh, we'll have to look into that and follow. Like up you on don't it. wonder <laughs> if like the root system goes to the water table, so like it doesn't matter if it even rains. Yeah, like something it, like that. It's just amazing that they can have a tree that's five thousand years years old and over another one that's three hundred seventy nine feet tall. Just uh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> like especially with like all the like the glacier stuff and all that stuff. Like it's it's all survived all that. Yeah, like all the things that have happened in history, like they, it's been around that long. So that's, it, that's it cool. survived people. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> some jerk in the 1800s didn't come along and cut it down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's some more. California <laughs> is home to the highest and lowest points in the con- uh, contiguous U.S. Mount Whitney at 14,494 feet, and Death Valley at 282 feet below sea level. On a clear day, you can see 40 of California's 58 counties from the top of Mount Diablo, west that, of San Francisco. That's, that's interesting. Crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, think of how big California is. Yeah, um, it's like the length of the country. I know. <laughs> so that's a pretty cool fact. Yeah. Uh, the L.A. Corners office has a gift shop called Skeletons in the Closet, selling <laughs> everything from clothing to 4D exploded skulls. <laughs> in 1984, Chico, California, was declared a nuclear-free zone, meaning residents are not allowed to produce, test, maintain, or store nuclear weapons. So that's, uh, that, that's good. That's really good. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, the first thing I thought of was Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, Doc, Doc Brown. Brown. He yeah. wouldn't be able to have his uh, little laboratory in Chico. Yeah, he's going to have to go <laughs> to the next city. Um. Well, uh, thanks, Joe. I guess we'll get right into Turnbull Canyon. So Turnbull Canyon is about 20 miles west of L.A., and if you look at a map, it's like it's surrounded by dense city. That's one of the things that amazes me about Southern California is you have some of the densest parts of the country, and then kind of in the middle of some of that, you have some like wild wilderness areas. Oh, yeah, like some of the most wilderness areas also. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a lot of missing people go missing in the wilderness areas around LA and it's probably really probably due to just the volume of people going into those areas. But, um, it still just amazes me that you could have, you know, a city as big as LA and still have these amazing wilderness areas. But, uh, so Turnbull Canyon is located near LA between, uh, Whittier and the city of industry. Turnbull is a 49,000 acre, uh, area that is set amid some scenic hills uh some people have called it a smorgasbord of nightmare <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's got a it's got quite the reputation for um yeah, a lot a lot of really weird stuff going in and it goes it goes way back to native american times and i'll forewarn everyone listening i'm gonna butcher all these names so i know that 
Um, <laughs> you don't have to remind you later. So, yeah, like I said, it all it all really kind of starts back in Native American times. The natives called the area uh, Hutugna, <laughs> or uh, a place of the devil where ghosts of those slain for not converting to Christianity dwell alongside witches and satan- Satanists who reportedly use the place to sacrifice children whose spirits now walk the canyon and dangle from trees. That's so, absolutely, t- that's just terrifying. <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. I do not want to go hiking at night in Turnbull. So, like I said, it started back in Native American tribes. The Gabor- Galborino uh, Indians, they believed the land was forbidden ground and called it, like I said earlier, Hatukuna, <laughs> which means a dark place or even the place of the devil. So, going back hundreds of years, the Native Americans, you know, they must have just felt something was off about this spot. Um, and you, you find this a lot in other other places that have kind of a bad vibe. Uh, the Native Americans always seem to pick up on this, and it would be kind of a, you know, a forbidden area to go. They would never go there, but, you know, us dumb Europeans, European people would come in here and, you know, trample all over. And <laughs> Just go but, wherever. Uh, yeah, so apparently these were battlegrounds for Native American wars. They were forced to change into Catholicism by the Spanish. And back then, uh, the Spanish killed anybody that didn't convert. So I'm sure anybody who's, uh, you know loves history knows all about the conquistadors and yep. their brutal, uh, brutal path through the Americas. So Yeah, the very, event- very godlike, you know, force <laughs> people to do something or kill them. Yeah, um, <laughs> but... So uh, these events may have happened at Turnbull Canyon, so it's not 100% sure exactly where this, this stuff happened, but it happened in this area. And could, they say it could be one of the many reasons for the canyon's hauntings. Some people have said that they have heard war drums in the canyon. Some people also believe that spirits have returned uh, to their sacred ground to find peace. So um, the, the nightmare of Turnbull Canyon starts with just all of the bloodshed that happened during the native American times, you know, hundreds of years ago. And it's been followed up by just a lot of really weird stuff. That's unexplainable. So, uh, there's a story. People claim that there's ghosts of 21 kids who perished in a plane crash back in 1952, but the, there's no existing record of the plane crashing. So, <laughs> so like, so, so they don't know if that's actually real, like, the, or that actually happened. So, in, in 1952, there was a plane crash causing 29 deaths, 21 which uh, were children, and they say it was an American Airlines plane that crashed into the tallest hill in the canyon. They go on to say there is no record of an American Airlines flight in that area at all, and no planes were missing from their fleet. No one on board had identification, including the pilots. So. They, someone, one person or multiple people saw a plane crash and they saw that it said American Airlines and even one of the local newspapers uh, wrote a small article about the crash in the Whittier uh, Daily News and locals believe that the dark magic that lingers in the canyon caused the Herford crash to happen. So really strange. You would think if American Airlines lost a plane, there'd be a record of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you think that, um, you know, there's multiple people that saw this plane crash and there's even a news article about it. So something happened. Um, there's really no other information 
on that. And it's a mystery to this day, but it kind of adds to the, the mystery around Turnbull Canyon. Um, and of course the, the next mystery of the Canyon is there's an old abandoned insane asylum. Uh, you know, why not? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, back in the sixties, a bunch of teens were kind of screwing around around this old abandoned insane asylum in the Canyon and the asylum dates back to the 30s, and it was a mental hospital located in the canyon. Uh, it had a good run until the 1940s when it burned down. So um, it dates back, you know, to the 30s. Uh, in 1962, a group of friends were partying in the ruins of the hospital one night. One of the boys saw one of the electroshock devices that were used when the hospital was active. He picked it up and was electrocuted. The voltage was strong enough to kill him. Apparently, electricity had been shut off since the fires had happened 20 years earlier. So, um, how how does someone get electrocuted when the power's been off for 20 years on equipment that's been exposed to the elements uh, for 20 plus years? Capacitors, Mike. Capacitors. So, yeah, that's uh, another really bizarre incident that happened in the canyon. Um, I'm not an electrical engineer, but I would assume that it, the likelihood of you getting shocked by something like that after so much time is pretty low, but yeah, I, I guess that, not. That'd be my guess, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe they can hold power for that long. <laughs> so there's also, of course, just like in Colorado, there's lots of reports of satanic activity in the Canyon. Uh, so during the great depression, the Canyon started to be used for strange satanic activity Many families during this era had to give their children up to orphanages. Um, there was a cult that would adopt the children from these orphanages and slaughter them in the canyon. <laughs> and is this, At, is this like provable? Like this is a thing that actually happened? Yeah, this actually happened. And then they uh, eventually started kidnapping children. And then the cult mysteriously vanished. And people that have been to Turnbull Canyon at night have seen hooded figures roaming the trails. Uh, and then some people have even seen bonfires in the canyon as well. Witnesses reported seeing ghosts of children, which a lot of people assume they're victims of these rituals. So see that that's like the weird thing of like areas where you've had like such horrible things happen like that that mm-hmm. you totally get that weird force and those weird instances that are occurring. And I believe a lot of that stuff. So there's just a lot of untimely death and horror. Yep. In this, for whatever reason. And it's like you said, like Native Americans always seem to like have these places locked down where they're like, oh, yeah, we don't go there. And then all these terrible things. It's like a magnet for like evil. almost. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah, that's bizarre. And that they're always whenever we talk about these areas, there's always satanic activity. That seems like a, a given. Um, but which is this crazy too. Cause like they could go do that stupid, weird, gross shit anywhere. <laughs> and they end up at like these points that have like a historical like reference to being just a place that people typically avoid. Mm-hmm. So either like they heard about that and chose that place or there is something that is like drawing people there. Yeah. So either way, uh, just another, another strange occurrence that's happened in the Canyon. There's also been other, uh, more recent things that have happened in the canyon, most notably um, a woman named Gloria uh, Gaxiola. I apologize if I got the name wrong. Uh, she was murdered on Turnbull Canyon Road back in 2002. And um, the police found her killers, but it's just another 
you know, you've got murders, you've got unexplained <clears throat> plane crashes, you've got satanic activity, um, you've got the whole brutal history of the Native Americans and Spanish, um, you've got reports of ghosts, uh, like ghost children, hooded hooded figures walking the trails at night, um, images of people hanging from trees off in the distance. I mean, yeah, that would, that would freak me out, man. Like at dusk, if you're trying to go towards camp and you're hiking and you see bodies hanging from a tree. Yeah. Like I, that's like, all right, trip over. <laughs> Let's go. Let's pack up and go home. Yeah. Uh, and just to wrap up this urban legend, I have a comment from a local in the area about Turnbull Canyon. The, the person wrote, I live near Turnbull Canyon. And yes, I've heard about all this. It is one hell of a scary-ass place to be in if you're by yourself and you aren't familiar with it. I remember seeing people walking around with hoods on, but I'm not sure. For sure, though, I know that there are many devil worshippers, cults in the area. Also, they found some rapists and killers hiding there. So, uh, yeah, sounds like an all-around pretty terrible place to go hiking, but also, at the same time, intriguing. (laughs) Yeah, because you know there's like probably thousands of people that go there every year and oh without without issue yep so like it'd be kind of like in that scary neat way to go actually do it and honestly i that's an interesting point they make about like killers hiding out in the area i can imagine if you're on the run from the law if you committed some heinous crime in la like places like this are areas you might go try to hide away might avoid yeah so, you know, I, I would be less worried about the ghosts and probably more worried about some of the creepy people <laughs> yeah. living in this canyon. So Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So that was our second urban legend. Our, our final one of this episode uh, is called The Hairy Man of the Vergus Trail. And <laughs> <laughs> this takes us all the way to Minnesota. So, all right. Time Joe, for some tell- fun facts about Minnesota. Yeah, let's hear them. All right. There are 69,200 miles of rivers and streams in Minnesota. That is enough to circle the equator two and three quarters times. Wow. That's that's pretty gnarly. That's yeah. a lot of water. <laughs> uh, Minnesota is the only state in the U.S. that requires any U.S. flags sold within the state to be manufactured in the U.S.A. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Minnesota has been refusing to return a captured Confederate flag to Virginia for more than a century. <laughs> At this point, it's probably just uh, like they just do it every year. It's yeah, part of it, like a tradition. Like Virginia officially requests that they get it, and Minnesota, Minnesota officially <laughs> denies the request, and then everybody goes and drinks a beer. Uh, a dog named Duke has been the mayor of Cormorant, Minnesota since 2014, having won three re-elections. <laughs> that is uh, that is pretty funny. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, pretty uh, pretty good town to live in. You don't have any politicians passing laws. <laughs> yeah, every park is a dog park. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1962, an intruder climbing the fence at the Minnesota airbase set off the sabotage alarm in all bases in the area. In one base, due to the wrong wiring, the klaxon was sounded ordering a nuclear-armed aircraft to take off, and the pilots believe World War III has started. The original intruder was a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine if World War III had been started by a bear? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's oh. crazy. I have n- I had never heard about that. Uh, I'm gonna look into that one more. That yeah. that's 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 hilarious. That's funny and terrifying. That the the world could have ended over due a bear to wrong a fence. wiring. Like a guy like connected a red to a black and almost started <laughs> World War Three. Well, that's that, like you uh, flash to a guy like on it, like a just a, a mildly overweight dude sitting eating his lunch, and the alarms go off, and they're like, "Dave, did you connect <laughs> one to three or one to four? And he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So, uh, all right, well, let's get into the legend of the hairy man. So, this takes place about 197. <laughs> sorry, the legend of the hairy man. <laughs> Of the Virgus Trail. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, okay. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So this takes place about 197 miles northwest of Minneapolis, or about a three-hour drive. I looked on a map. It's it's not quite up in the Boundary Waters area, but it's it, it's heading in that direction. Um, so they don't s- think this is Bigfoot. How, you know, it, reading all of the descriptions of it, I think you could call it Bigfoot Sasquatch. I mean, it kind of fits the 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 narrative that you hear about, you know, Bigfoot and other other sightings. Yeah, but um, he's not willing to commit fully. Yeah, I don't it's know. Just a hairy man. <laughs> yeah, the, the hairy man. They wanted to be unique, but uh, so this could be a breakthrough. Maybe all Sasquatch sightings are really just really hairy men wandering the woods. <laughs> could be, and you know what? I think this is the first time we've talked about a Bigfoot like incident on the show like I, as like officially because we've yeah. always referenced it yeah we we jokingly maybe it. yeah <laughs> all right first time for everything we're dipping our toe in it because it's not quite bigfoot it's just a, ha- a tall hairy man hairy man we're not full <laughs> bigfoot yet yeah <laughs> just dipping our toe in all right all right so uh for the last five decades the legend of the hairy man of Vergus trails has intrigued many who have d- decided to venture out into secluded areas with names such as Lost Highway and Lake Seven, so uh, this this goes back, you know, fifty, sixty years now. The sightings of this this creature, and uh, although there's a lot of sightings of <clears throat> this so-called hairy man, there's also other haunted stories of this trail area, such as glowing headstones, ghosts of little kids leaving their prints on cars. And uh, cults chasing people, um, so it's it sounds like another one of those areas, kind of like Turnbull Canyon or yep. the, that road in Colorado, that's just got some weird vibe to it. Uh, probably not a place I would I would go hiking anytime soon. But uh, so there's numerous <clears throat> eyewitness accounts of what became known as the Hairy Man of Vergus Trails. Uh, local newspapers in the area have even been in contact with. Uh, about a dozen people from around the area who've reported run run-ins with this creature. Uh, each story has kind of a consistency to it that makes it seem more real than you, you know, like if you had 12 people saying totally different things, yeah, uh, it would be kind of suspect. Sure. Um, but they, they all mention a humanoid like figure ranging from over seven to eight feet, feet tall, shaggy, long hair characteristics, uh, a musky odor, uh, you know, accompanies it. Get when that they, hairy man musk. <laughs> that hairy man musk. Um, and another thing is he's barefoot, or it is barefoot, which 
a lot of the people making this site, you know, the eyewitness accounts say that it's, it's pretty unusual. You know, the frigid months of winter, Minnesota gets really cold. So he's uh, very tall, dirty, hairy, and has big feet. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like Bigfoot. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's not really known when the first sighting of this hairy man occurred um, or when the, the legend began, but the earliest talk of this creature can be traced back to the late nine, 1960s, but no one really knows who was the first to, to say they saw it. Okay. Uh, it's all a lot of, I heard this, I heard, you know, so-and-so talking about it. I heard, heard it so when I was growing up. So it's all secondhand accounts of the story. In the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So, and then the stories just grew and kind of evolved over time. Um, so the, the roads and areas of there that, you know, they're dirt, dirt trails, hilly, deeply wooded, uh, and they've long been a destination for people kind of going out to explore in Minnesota. So, um, if we have anybody from Minnesota that listens to the show, we'd love to, to hear, uh, if, you know, any of you've been to this area of Minnesota, but the legend really started to pick up momentum in the seventies when there was a ton of hairy man's sightings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so one of those sightings was a lifelong. Hold on. There was a ton of hairy men sightings in the seventies. Still not convinced. <laughs> Still not convinced. <laughs> um, one of those sightings was a lifelong resident, Cheryl Hansen, who uh, had a run-in with the Beast in 1972 while snowmobiling with her cousin, uh, Jalen Hansen. Apologize for the name. Uh, the 12-year-old Hansen and her cousin were snowmobiling on the Vergus Trail just off what is known as the Lost Highway off County Road 130. There, the Hansens... Uh, duo circled an old desolate cabin with their sleds when their enjoyment on the winter afternoon was suddenly interrupted. Uh, now this is a quote. Uh, we were snowmobiling around and this old cabin and all of a sudden a beast like creature popped out of the cabin holding a huge stick. Uh, Cheryl said <laughs> it had very broad shoulders and was trying to rash. And I was trying to rationalize what it was, but it really stood out to me. Uh, it was barefoot in the snow. So that could just be some crazy guy that lives in a cabin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the two cousins, they took off and went back to tell uh, the adults they were with. And even though the adults were not convinced of Hanson's ordeal, it became a lifelong memory for the Vergus resident. Uh, she goes on to say, I know what I saw that day, and it wasn't human. <laughs> yeah. Um Ironically, we'll say this, uh, Hanson owns the land where she saw the hairy man and even has a cabin right near where the creature sprang out. So, um, so it wasn't someone else's property. It's her property. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she, she writes, uh, I still to this day can't drive out there at night alone. The family still has campfires out there, but none of us wander out into the woods. So, uh, another well-known eyewitness account came from another lifelong Vergus resident, Kevin uh, Zitzo, who has since unfortunately passed away. Uh, it was said that Zitzo, who was a regular visitor of the Vergus Trail, came back one night after traveling on them, and he was pretty shaken up. His car had large dents in the hood, which he said were made by a big, hairy creature who jumped on the front of his vehicle and started smashing his fists down on it. So. Jeez. That's a little terrifying. I mean, that is terrifying. 
Uh, it could still be some crazy guy living out in the woods, but yeah, but the force you need to dent the hood. Yeah. To like jump on a car and yeah. Um, I mean like little dent. Sure. I could do that. But like, yeah, if you're like significant damage to a vehicle type damn stuff, that's yeah. So, um, obviously the seventies, the, the sightings of this creature really, uh, blew up. And then since the 1980s, the sightings really have dissipated. There hasn't been any recent sightings of this creature. Um, but they say even today, there's a creepy feeling felt by some Vergus residents who wonder if they are, uh, if there are eyes watching them from deep in the woods. Um, but this gets better. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that is kind of the, the, where this legend started, you know, back in the sixties up and through the eighties, um, but more recently, someone came forward with a, a skull that they claim to have found that is not human. Um, so, uh, it it's goes not on human, but is it like legit? Well, I'll, like, I'll get into it? it. Okay. I'll get into a little bit of that, but so obviously it says there's a lot of skeptics around the world of Bigfoot or the hairy man. And the, the thing that's eluded everyone who believes in these creatures is, you know, concrete evidence. Sure. Every time you see a video or a picture, it's grainy it, or it turns out it was somebody in like a gorilla suit or yeah, especially nowadays we have such good cameras, but what are like new ones come out and it seems like they, Oh, they're carrying a camera from the sixties for some reason. Yeah. So it, it, it's, there's never ever been concrete evidence and I'm sure there will be people that who really believe in Bigfoot that will refute this and probably yell at us. <laughs> uh, hey, but, I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded too. I'm very open-minded. If someone can provide me evidence of something, I I'll jump on that train. Um, I don't shut the book on anything. You just got to show me actual evidence. Yep. <laughs> uh, so until recently, the the hairy man legend had been supported by just eyewitness accounts or you know third-hand knowledge. I heard somebody say this, or I heard this story growing up. But uh, Kim Doyle the owner of Vergus 66 gas station had quite a visit with one of her longtime residents in the town who brought in a shocking artifact. Uh, what she saw lying in front of her that day was a humanoid skull of unknown origin. One that definitely doesn't have characteristics of either human or primate. So, uh, now I believe there have been discoveries of humanoid skulls of kind of, you know, far, you know, very distant ancestors of humans. Sure. Uh, either like Neanderthal or yeah, like I elongated know, skulls that yeah, I know like they small found, brain cavity, large jaw. In Southeast Asia, I know they found like skulls that you know creatures that they almost called like hobbits. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it, it they have you know scientists have found strange skulls of distant relatives to humans and primates. So that's not um the most, I mean, it's, it's still really cool when they find something like that. Cause it, it really helps them kind of fill in the tree of, you know, where we came from. Sure. But so this is a quote from the owner, the owner of the skull, a quiet, respectable man who wants to remain anonymous said one of the oldest families in Vergas, uh, found it South of town. Doyle said the current owner has had the skull for five or six years and said the family that gave it to him owned it for a number of years before that. So, it's not really clear when the skull was found. It it sounds like it's at least 10 or 15 years old. It wasn't just recently found. Okay. 
Um, so and it was found in an area known as uh, the Klondike or the Old Vergus Trail, where most of the Harry Man sightings occurred. So either someone faked it and figured, well, I'm going to plant it where everybody sees these skulls, or maybe they actually found something. Uh, so they thought it could be one of the offspring of the hairy man. So <laughs> that must mean there's a hairy woman. Yeah. There, there the has to too. Be, yeah. There has to be <laughs> something there. But, uh, so, uh, they get, they go on to say, but whatever it is, it sure doesn't look uh, human. I certainly didn't know what it was. So this skull has people kind of puzzled. Um, they said the skull has humanoid features, including eye sockets, teeth, and even three to four uh, vertebrae that are still intact. But there's plenty of features that also don't match human features, or primates uh, for that matter. And they said there was also vegetation stuck to the back of the skull, which a lot of people indicate that it probably was unearthed in a swampy area, or was at least in a swampy area for a while. Because um, it doesn't really go into... So it's what... like an amphibious humanoid? Yeah, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't really go into the location of where it was found. So, um, but it does seem like it was in like a, you got a lot of those bones that they find are kind of found in swampy areas. Cause that's where it preserves things the best, um, when they kind of sinks down. Sure. But so, uh, the skull, so here's a big red flag for me. The skull has never been tested by the owners and very few people even know exists, so the discovery of something which looks as strange as it does in the same area as the Harry Man sightings makes it more intriguing. But I would say, why wouldn't you get it tested? Yeah, unless why you're trying to hide uh, like the <clears throat> validity of something. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> why wouldn't you report that to the, the news? I mean, that would be huge, huge news. Um, so it, it always, I always have a red flag for, like someone has this amazing skull they found that isn't human, isn't primate, why haven't you gotten it tested? <laughs> yeah, it's good. They either don't want it tested because of what will happen or what will be discovered. Yeah. Or they're or weird. They, <laughs> they want the publicity. They faked it and want yeah. publicity. Because I, I believe you could probably do a DNA test on. Uh, there's got to be a way to get DNA out of the, the bone material. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, and they even go on, you know, some of the articles I read even go on to say that, you know, with each one of these legends comes hoaxes. I mean, sure. You're going to have for every legend, you're going to have dozens of people trying to fake it to, uh, you know, to get their 15 minutes of fame. And in this day of social media and YouTube and Facebook, I imagine it's just through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I can um, see that. And the way people can edit videos now, there's stuff that you see sometimes on, YouTube and it, I mean, it looks real. Do you yeah. remember, the, remember that yeah, video that. a while back where they, there was like a giant Amazon blimp that was launching drones out of it. Yes. <laughs> and it looked real and it was fake. Yeah. When I, I first saw, I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that video like, whoa, <laughs> Amazon's taking over the world literally. Yeah. And then it turned out to be fake. So, yeah. uh, so we get some now we get some testimony, not testimony, but a guy who is a cryptozoologist. Uh, he's a nationally renowned cryptozoologist weighed in on this this skull a few years ago. His name is uh, Ken Gerhard, and he's a renowned cryptozoologist, said there are several features which are either missing or in the wrong place to be an anthropod. 
Uh, he goes on. Uh, so he says uh, he doesn't claim to be an anthropologist or an expert on defining skull features, but he, he does have good experience in re researching homo sapien and primate artifacts, which is needed in the cryptozoology field. So he's not, a, you know, a Ph.D. scientist, but he does a lot of research in this field okay uh, on artifacts so um he i would say probably knows what he's talking about sure uh he goes on, he goes on to say what i noticed right off the bat was the unnatural features of the skull had or at least 10 to 12 noticeable characteristics that were missing for a hominid defined as being part of the human family he goes on to say the face of the skull does resemble human but there isn't a cavity large enough to hold a large brain so he said he also says the eye sockets do seem smaller compared to hominin and there isn't a nasal cavity bone. He goes, he also goes on to add, um, he couldn't conclusively determine if the skull is real or well-produced fake. So, uh, he sees some glaring issues with the, the skull. You would assume even a, a distant ancestor is going to have, you know, somewhat similar features to our skulls yeah, it's like a nasal like cavity how long it takes for something to change yeah naturally like an organic <clears throat> evolution you just yep. can't all of a sudden not have a nose yeah in a few so, thousand years yeah and you know i mean i guess if they could carbon date it they could maybe get a, an age of the skull that i think that would really help to determine if it was you know fake or not sure but um, so yeah, it's interesting. They had this expert look at the skull and, you know, he, he's not, he's not saying it's fake, but he's not saying it's real. I think he's probably saying is it needs more testing. And I, from what I read there, there hasn't been any additional testing on this. I think we probably would have heard about it in the news. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they tested it and it came back legit. Yeah. So, you know, there's, uh, there's one other theory of what the, the hairy man could be. Um, some locals think he's a well-known hermit that lived in the Vergus trail area for decades. So <laughs> <laughs> there were stories of a hermit being aggressive with people he thought were trespassers on his family's land. While his appearance was that of an uncut man uh, with long and a straggly hair. Uh, I'd say it's a pretty built hermit if he's six or seven or eight feet tall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The story of this hermit was uh, he was ex exiled from his family as a kid and ended up living in the wilderness for much of his life, said Vergus resident Rob Arnett. His parents owned a big portion of land all around the Lost Highway, and through time, it, they sold it off. So, um, you know, some people, I think, think it's uh, some creepy guy living out in the woods. Other people are convinced that it's a Bigfoot-type creature. Um, I just can't, the thing I just can't wrap my head around with any of the Bigfoot sightings is where, where's the concrete evidence? Yeah. In the day yeah, and age a, a of creature iPhones. that massive. Yeah. And with how many people are out in the wilderness hiking and camping and how has no one gotten some great iPhone footage of him? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people out in areas for that thing to be just completely elusive. And you would think there's got to be, you know, a, a, I'm assuming a male and a female. You know, there's yep. more than one. They don't just. Yeah, they're they're continually reproducing, apparently. Or they yeah. live forever. <clears throat> yeah. 
maybe they just live for like 500 years yeah maybe uh, like a but whale. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's a it's an interesting story um if i'm ever on my way up to northern minnesota it might be cool to stop by this part of minnesota it's kind of be way out of the way for us going to minnesota yeah you'd have to go through boundary waters back down almost or like drive just... up through minneapolis and then go northwest yeah which is totally inefficient yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh someday maybe uh maybe we'll get to that spot and do some on the ground research because it definitely sounds interesting with you know the other the glowing headstones and ghost children and all that yeah, weird I'd be, stuff. I'd be, I'd be interested in at least even just talking with local residents and hearing their individual accounts. Cause you know, everyone that lives there has their own story. It would be fun to do a road trip across the country, visiting each one of these crazy spots. Yeah. And just meeting the local townspeople and yeah. Getting their thoughts on it. Just spend like a whole summer driving from like East coast to the West coast and hitting every one of these spots. I'm in. <laughs> okay. Got to win the, for that. Got to win the lottery. Um, so that is, that, that kind of concludes this episode of the, uh, our part two of the American urban Legends series. I think of the three, I'm most terrified of Turnbull Canyon. Yeah. That one's because it's, it's marred with like legitimate incidences of just messed up people and those, the cult stuff that, that yeah. always, that the satanic cult stuff weirds me out. I don't yeah. like that stuff. No, that's weird, and just the fact that you you could have you know fugitives from the law hiding out yeah. in there too that makes it more dangerous. Yeah, the the realistic aspect of it terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the hairy man sightings. I. That's just funny to me. That is funny to me. <laughs> it's, just um, a, it's just a really giant hippie that just lives in the woods that's just been terrorizing these people for years. I mean, it, it, there are people that. I mean, what if like Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> lived out in the woods and became yeah a like exactly it's like, <laughs> there's people that big so um yeah i don't know well uh joe do you have anything else for us this episode no i do not nope that's, I'm, I'm good well uh uh once again i want to thank everybody for tuning into the show we we really appreciate that you guys are continuing to listen the Check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram, we're on Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, Imgur, we're everywhere, YouTube. Um, if if you listen to us on iTunes or any one of the podcast platforms, make sure to subscribe and drop us a review. Every subscription review helps uh, us with all the algorithms, so it helps us get discovered to more people. So, uh, And if you want to help out the show, buy some of our swag or... Uh, visit our Patreon page. Yeah, we appreciate all of you, our loyal listeners, and our sponsors that help keep the show going. And remember, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or just taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>